Hello everyone, I'm Joseph Roberson and Brian Tanner isn't with us today, off doing something. B, what's up to you, man? Hope all is well. And this is King Talk. We welcome you to our unapologetic and transparent discussion on any and all issues related to youth sports. If there's something you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to drop us a line, shoot us a DM and let us know on IG at King Talk Podcast. That's King Talk Podcast, one word on IG. You can also find us on Facebook at King Talk Podcast and on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify if you're looking for the link. Hey, this week our special guest is James Sims. James, you gotta clap it up for yourself because we ain't got no, my bad. I will go into this whole thing about like cupping of the hands. We learned from one of my, my man's son, taught us how to create this echo effect, but the listeners gonna get tired of hearing okay. me say that redundantly. <laughs> hey, um, just so people can know your background, can you tell us, um, your history with athletics and, and the different roles you serve. Hey, if you want, you can go back to your participation. Exactly. I was going to say I, uh, I had a love for the game because my father and brother played it, um, going to watch them play. Okay. So I got interested. By the age of six, I was playing football and okay. waiting to get in pads. Right. Broke my collarbone at six and still wanted to play. You broke your collarbone at six? At six years old, playing oh, so football really, with older guys. That's and, love for the game. Though. Exactly. So okay. I still went out and played. And, I, you know, I did all my years and okay. went through high school, performed pretty well. Okay. Uh, got a lot of honors out of high school. I went on a D1 scholarship to the University of Toledo. Okay, that's what Where, ironically, I hurt my shoulder. Oh, okay, and, okay. You know, I ended up okay. having a major dislocation. Wow. Uh, which ended up become, being career-ending, or what we thought was career-ending at the time. Okay. And uh, at that point, I said, if I couldn't play it no more, I wanted to coach it the rest of my life. Gotcha. So I started uh, rehabbing the shoulder and got strong, got stronger than I was before I was injured. Right. You know, they told me I would never be able to lift again, and right. I fought that and, and overcame it, um, which made me a better coach to let other people know that they can overcome things. Right. Especially adversity, because exactly. adversity is going to come. Exactly. Yeah. So I went back and I started playing football again, uh -huh. uh, played a little semi-pro ball right. um, with the Jacksonville Bandits. Okay. And... Uh, I was 100 pounds heavier, so I went from being a running back to being a defensive tackle, so it was a, a okay. different game for me. Uh, slowed down a little bit, but I enjoyed it. And then from that point on, uh, yeah. after I left there, I, st I started coaching. Right. And even while I was in the military, I did a four-year stint in the military. Okay. Even in the military, I, I played with the military football team, and I was gotcha. coaching the team there. So it's always been a passion. I started coaching the little six-year-olds on the street. We started playing against other streets. Okay. And it was just something that I always loved. And uh, I got involved in Pop Warner first. I was running a mortgage company, and I started coaching Pop Warner. Uh, had some success there in Pop Warner. Did that for like 13 years. Okay. And ran a, a camp at the same time. I ran a youth uh, fitness camp. It was for all sports. Right. Uh, had like 250 kids there. We started off with 35 in the first year. Each year it grew. By my last four or five years, we had 250 participants. There. Wow. So had a good time working with both male and female athletes, watching them, you know, participate and, and grow strong and watching them, their determination to do something that they love, mm. uh, which brought me back to something that I always did. Uh, after that, uh, I ended up moving out to California where I, you know, had opportunities here and, uh, you know, even the opportunity here to coach here at Pierce as a head coach at Pierce was uh, a reward for me. I really enjoyed it. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, now I'm just training athletes and enjoying preparing athletes, you know. Okay. So. 
and, and I myself have witnessed the amazing bond you have with athletes, which to me, I would say is in part based on the shared experience and you truly valuing it. Exactly. Just, so there's one of the things I heard you just say, which I thought was ironic because I've had uh, shoulder injuries, which, you know, I'm still dealing with to this day and, uh, you know, still have to visit the doctor periodically related to uh, both current care of myself, but also what my future outcomes would be. And I know you a monster on the bench still, right? Oh, yeah. Is it okay mm-hmm. to be asking your personal information, no, like what you're hitting no, right no, now? That's fine. Uh, uh, before my shoulder injury in college, uh-huh. my uh, my max at the time was 350, my bench. Right. I, after the injury, the doctor told me I'd never be able to bench right. press again. Right. Uh, I joined the service, started working out again out to seat, didn't have nothing else to do. I got my bench back up. To, I got it up to 550 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and even then, it, it felt good. My The staple couldn't take it no okay. more. The staple okay. in my shoulder. Gotcha. And I actually won a bench press competition in the military. Okay. You had to do your max weight by three. So it wasn't just who could do the most. It was who could do the most three times. Wow. So I won that bench press competition in the military. Okay. And uh, until this day at, you know, 52, about to be 53 years old, I I can put 450 up on a good day. You know, and the reason I ask that, because I know because the students always tell me, they be like, hey, uh, coach, Coach Sims in there killing us right now. And I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you know, I conveniently avoid coming in there at them times so people don't put me on the spot. No, I'm just yeah. like, no. but um, yeah, so that's that's rather remarkable. And I wanted to share that with listeners just so they can understand even, you know, we talk about um, youth participation, high school, college, but really a lot of times sports becomes for lifelong care and maintenance of ourselves and our bodies. You and know? I'll tell you why it was important to me, because I remember as a young boy at six and seven years old, I'll never forget it. We had a gym teacher. He was about 330, 340 pounds. Okay. He waddled when he walked. Okay. And he used to tell us to run all the time. And you could hear we, we didn't respect him because we right, didn't feel that right, he could do it. Right. So I took pride in myself and being able to Anything that I tell you or ask you to do as a coach is because I can do it also. Um, You know, and the older you get, that challenge gets harder. Most definitely. But, you know, so I used to have a couple of my assistant coaches that they thought, oh, you trying to show off, you showing them that you can bench 405. I I used to do it because of the respect that you gained around the room instantly. Right. Because what is more um, viable as far as respect than for somebody to see that you've done something that you're asking them to do. Right. Because, you know, in this day and age with these young kids, Generation X now, you got to show them. Don't, it's to show me. Right, you know, right, don't right. tell me, show me. So when I get on there and I bench 450 pounds and then I started, you know, instructing them on how to work in the weight room, right, there's right. nothing but respect. Right. They listen to it because I'm doing something that they want right. to do. Now, it'd be different if I'm in there, I'm four and 500 pounds, I've never touched it away right. and I'm, I'm trying to tell them what to do. Exactly. So it was it was about gaining respect in the weight room right. also, and you know even on the football field that that respect because they know I work hard like I asked them to work. Hey, also, I, and I really appreciate that point because, for, and first of all, we're not knocking anyone who has particular issues that affect their health because there exactly. are those out there who, um, who maybe no longer resemble what it means to be an athlete, exactly. but, but they're dealing with their personal issues. Like so that's, me, I don't yeah. resemble it no more. <laughs> hey, but you still got some size where people yeah. would think like, okay, no, nah, he might've been on that D line killing people, <laughs> right. right? But that being said, but we are talking about the fact that when you deal with young people, there's a potential for them to be cynical and skeptical. And I was, that was very much myself. So I also understand that I have to maintain my physical presence in a way that they can look at me and feel some level of respect that he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm going to take it a step further. 
there's a limited window of opportunity for their chance to succeed as student athletes. And I bear a responsibility for the role I've accepted in their lives that, hey, I can't let us waste any time in letting them believe that I know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. so that I'm able to positively impact their journey and their outcomes. I need them willing to listen to me. That means what I have to do to overcome their cynicism in the sense of making sure that I resemble not just an athlete, but a, a man who knows what he's talking about, who is successful at what he does, so that young people instantly come in and as much as possible, it may not be everyone, but can look at me and be like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to do what he says. Because exactly. he has the outcomes that I desire in life. So no, I hear you, my brother. That, that takes me to this too. Because one of the questions I like to ask people is, what do you feel some of the responsibilities are of people in your role, whether it's someone who works with them as fitness or as a coach? What, what is the responsibilities of a coach? The responsibilities are numerous. Okay. I mean, you, you got to understand that every move you make is being watched by somebody. Yes. If I have a football team with 75 players on it, right. from the minute I step out of my car right. and start my day to the minute I end my day and step back in my car, even how I pull off. Yeah. It's being watched by somebody. Come on now. Exactly. So that's why another piece I wanted to bring up was the education piece. You know, I was someone who got injured in college, Mm -hmm. did not get to finish my football career. And at that point, I could have quit. I could have gave up on everything. Which many people do. Exactly. But I found it important because I knew I still wanted to be a coach. I still wanted to be influenced. Right. That I had to finish my education. So I finished my bachelor's. Uh, at 30. Right. I finished my master's at 45. Okay. And been in and out working on my doctorate now, even now at 52 and 53. And, and what was important about that for me is how am I as a coach to keep telling a young man that student is first, the classroom is important if I don't have mine. Right. So, right. And, and when I say have mine, and like you say, this is not to knock anybody who doesn't. This is not to knock anybody who got to a certain level, whether that's the bachelor's degree and stopped, but it was my goal to get to the highest level so that no matter who I'm talking to, I can always tell them about an experience and tell them how to get to that next level. So I'm at a point now where I can talk to a young man who has his bachelor's degree and maybe wants to do one more year of college football, whatever, and I can say, great, good decision, and while you're doing that, Work on your master's degree. Right. right. And, he, and he can't look at me and say, well, you didn't work on yours. Right. Because I got mine. Right. You know, and, and it could be a kid that has his master's degree and he's going to go to the NFL. And I say, why are you in the NFL? I know you're making all this money, but if you so see fit, go and get your doctorate too. Yeah. Because I'm working on mine. So right. he can't say, well, you ain't working on yours or you didn't finish yeah. yours. Right. right. So it was always my goal right. to always be a level, at least a level up. Right. So that I can help bring people up with me. Right. You know, some people want to get a level up so they can step on you. Right, most definitely. I wanted to get a level up so I could pull you up with me. Right. And, right. and I think that's the difference. And and if I could just throw this in there. So, if, and if there's someone who coaches and hasn't attained certain degrees, that doesn't all of a sudden make them ineffective. Exactly. How, because they can still tell a person, hey, this is what you should do, but they have to do it more from the perspective of, hey, these are some of the things I wish I did for this reason. 
And mm -hmm. if you did this, it could add to your life because these are some of the things I'm missing. So it's going to take someone who hasn't done it some level of transparent honesty to tell someone like, hey, this is why 100%. I'm telling you, you know, 100%. so someone can still be effective, but they just have to be willing to do it from a humble perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I share with young people um, a lot of my issues related to, you know, having been incarcerated to using substances um, to a lot of the things I failed at in life just so I can let them know, hey, these aren't some of the decisions you want to make mm -hmm. because if so, these are the consequences. But to your point, yeah, my brother, that means a lot to people because the truth is people do want to see that if you really say you value it so much that I should do it with my life, why didn't you do it with yours? Exactly. You feel exactly. I mean? and, and this is the not, not to knock those because I'm a, I wasn't a believer. Uh, if you would have asked me this about five, maybe 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I was not a believer in coaches who did not play or participate in the sport coaching it. Right, right. But as I grew as a man and matured, I realized that it doesn't take you to play a sport to be a great teacher of a sport. Right. So right. so so if you put in the work to become educated yes. and to have thorough knowledge of what you're teaching, right. you didn't have to experience it right. to teach it. But the only thing I would ask, just like you mentioned earlier, is that you have some level of transparency and honesty about it yeah. because had I, let's say I never played the game of football. Right. And it's 110 degrees outside. Right. And, and they got that uniform on and they sweating and they're dying. And that and, helmet on and that some helmet, turf where it's 10 degrees high. Exactly. Right. And I haven't experienced it. Yeah. It's one thing for me to sit over them yeah. and tell them to suck it up. Yes. yes. And I've never sucked it up. Right. But that would be okay. Maybe I didn't suck it up, but I'm humble enough to understand what you're going through. Right, right. Yes, I'm going to put you through it. I'm going to demand yeah. that you go to a, a, a level while you're going through it. Right. But son, I understand. And that might not be while I'm taking you through it. Right. It might be the speech after practice where I tell you, right. look, gentlemen, you got you gentlemen are doing something that I never did. Right. And I respect you for it. Wow. And I respect you performing for me doing yes. something that I never did. Hey, my brother, I, let me tell you why. I, man, you well, you make me, you, you just don't even get it. I'm speechless because, first of all, I've had that growth as well, where at first I look like, hey, if you didn't do it, shut up. Mm -hmm. But then I began to realize there's people who potentially played with me in college who never mm -hmm. saw the field. Mm -hmm. um, and yet they were still in a, a position to learn mm -hmm. because I learned a lot during my redshirt year about the game from being on the sidelines, just watching it up close and personal. Definitely. However, yeah, there should be some humility involved um, because... If you haven't done it, then you need to humble yourself even in the way you coach it. So, for instance, let's, let me just make up a scenario. A scenario. I'm playing D-tackle, mm -hmm. and I'm getting double teamed, and the coach is just telling you to, like, hey, you got to beat that. You got to – okay, hold on. How about you coach some technique? Because exactly. just saying that sounds good. But mm -hmm. if you haven't done it, you need to be able to instruct someone, well, how do I beat two men grabbing me? For, okay, you know, so – because I had people coaching me who didn't really understand the game. So they mm -hmm. used to tell me things like, hey, you got a wrong arm. Okay, well, maybe I don't even know what that vernacular exactly. means. So are you going to instruct me on what it means? Or are you here to just make yourself feel better? And sometimes so, they don't know what it means or how to coach it, but exactly, they're telling you to do it. Exactly. And, you know, and, and on that same point, um, you don't have to be, like you said, to experience it. Like with me, you know, I'm on the opposite side of you. I cannot 
state or say that I was incarcerated. I can't state or say that I was doing drugs. Yeah. So for me to sit and educate a young man who's going through that, to be able to tell him about the experience that I haven't experienced it, no, I haven't. Right. But I educated myself. I took yeah. drug and substance abuse classes. Exactly. I was a juvenile probation officer. I was a child protective investigator. And when I was a juvenile probation officer, we used to take young men to the prisons, yeah. visit the prisons, and have the prisoners come out and speak to them. And I'm gaining right. knowledge from these people who have experienced yeah. it. So I humble myself. If I'm talking to a young man who's had a drug problem or right. a young man who's been incarcerated, I humble myself because I have not been in that realm. Right. But at the same time, I have this knowledge that, look, let me tell you, I know the opposite. Right. I know what you can obtain if you get off right, of those things. Right. I know what you can obtain if you come up out of that cell. And, and I know where you're headed if you don't. Exactly. Right, right, my because I've been there and I've seen that. Right. So, so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be coaching a sport. It could be coaching in life. Right. There's going to be things that you didn't experience right. that if you gain knowledge about it, you can teach it and be a great teacher at it. And effective, and you don't have to misrepresent what your past have been. Exactly. Do you know how many people... Misrepresent. And I, and I don't put them on blast just because it's not necessary to. But I have so many people, like maybe we're talking to young people, and there'll be another person my age who will be like, yeah, Joe, because remember when we was out there? And, I, and I'll be thinking to myself like, no, I don't remember you out there. I don't remember you and none of my experiences in my past. Right. And I choose not to humiliate or clown people. But right. even when we play football, I'll hear someone who played with me who... No, I don't actually ever remember you on the field, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to clown when, guess what? That doesn't have to be your legacy. Exactly. That doesn't have to be your legacy. You can be just as a, uh, effective mm -hmm. as a life coach, exactly. as a, a mentor, without having to construct or fabricate exactly. a past that wasn't mm -hmm. yours. Uh, you also mentioned earlier that you had coached... Um, and it made me really hear the love of the game you had, first of all, because you said you were coaching six-year-olds on your block, which mm -hmm. lets me know, well, that's not a position that's being compensated. That's love. That's nothing but love. Also, when you said you played semi-pro, because mm -hmm. the truth, when I got out of college and I knew I was going to have no opportunities of playing in the NFL or even arena leagues, I knew that wasn't my outcomes. Mm -hmm. I had people call me from semi-pro leagues, like, hey, you need to come play with us. And I'm thinking to myself... I'm not playing this sport for free. Yeah. I'm not doing this. I'm not about to football. is such a brutal sport. Mm -hmm. At that stage, oh, yeah, if you really don't love it. And my true intent was, okay, look, I'm going to find a way to reconstruct my life and, and get a free education. Right. And I used part of it to parlay through a master's degree. Mm -hmm. um, but, but when I was done, I was, I was ready to be done. My body was over those collisions some idiot said to me one day and this again and you know yes i'm gonna call the person an idiot mm -hmm. i was telling them maybe 10 15 years later about the impact on my body of having played college football and then they said uh yeah well if you had been a, a hammer instead of the nail and then i thought to myself like first of all you just indicated that you never played yeah, exactly because that sounds good that's those good cliches in the sport but 15 years later, your body don't know whether you was the hammer or nail. It exactly. knows that you've been in severe collisions repeatedly. Mm -hmm. You feel me? At that moment, I thought about hitting them so they could <laughs> but I left that alone. But, but getting back to that, you've coached six-year-olds. I know you've coached at the college level. I'm also mm -hmm. aware you had a, a lengthy career as a high school coach. Mm -hmm. What's the significant differences that you've seen? Because I've seen where people mm -hmm. might coach effectively with one group, right. but don't. And are not effective coaching. Oh, that's, that's one of my worst pet peeves. Um, as I was going through the high school circuit, um, doing interviews to get hired at places, 
Uh, it seemed like every time I got caught up in a situation where a former NFL football player was one of the candidates, right, right, it was almost as automatically assumed that that young man was the one getting the job, right, because of his experiences, right. But understand that your experience as a player does not give you experience as a coach, right. Um, and I've known it. Of course, I know there's some gentlemen who were NFL players who become outstanding coaches. Right, right. But most of the ones I ran into, they become terrible coaches right. because they don't know how to relate to the players. Uh, if I'm a, if I'm an all pro, let's say I'm an all pro safety, and I'm teaching a high school kid how to be a safety, and all I know is how my work ethic, the all pro ethic, right, right. I, I don't know how to be in tune with this young man who's not an all pro. He's not even a high school starter. He's just trying to learn a game and he wants to be helped. And a lot of times they can't relate. Um, you know, there was a, a pro football player. I won't mention no names, but he was a Super Bowl player. He got a, a high school coaching job and he ended up quitting at, after one year. And they asked him why he quit. And he said that the young men could not comprehend what he was teaching. Yeah. And he didn't understand whose fault that was. Right, right. If, if young men can't comprehend what you're teaching, that's not their fault. Yeah. That's you. You got to find different ways right. to teach it. That's the teacher. Exactly. Not teaching effectively. Exactly. And not teaching to the demographic in front of them. Exactly. That could be in the classroom. That yeah. could be on the football field, the basketball yeah. court. If I have young people who don't understand what I'm yeah. teaching, yeah. I got to go back to the drawing board and learn right. how to teach it a different way. Right. Not that the student has to learn it a different way. I got to teach it a different way. Exactly. So uh, that was one of my big pet peeves of people thinking that they're at a certain level and because they're at a certain level, they can be a coach. That's almost like me with no education and no training because I had four brothers and I talked to a lot of young kids and helped them out that I yeah. think I can do your job as a counselor with, right. no, with no formal training, don't know what I'm doing. Right. I can just sit in there yeah. because I know how to talk to people. And that's what they think. Because I played the game, right, I right. can coach it. It don't work that <laughs> hey, way. Just on a side note, my brother, everyone does think they could do my job. <laughs> you got me? Yeah. Hey, you got me? Exactly. Hey, to the point where, but this is what's so cool. Thank you, universe. Thank you, Jehovah, is this. My ego's not attached to it. Mm -hmm. So when people think they can do what I do, I let them. Like, even when I'm trying to work with young people, hey, there was a father whose uh, his son was gray shirting in basketball. And I was telling him, like, hey, during the course of this gray shirt year, he still needs to be participating in the sport, working at the game. Mm -hmm. The father told me, he was like, oh, yeah, I don't agree with you. I don't think he needs to be playing. And I thought to myself, like, hold on. You want your child to have an opportunity to compete for a scholarship opportunity at Division One University but you don't think he needs to be playing the game over the next year, mm -hmm. right? So this is what I do. I stop talking. Mm -hmm. As soon as I see someone not listening, because I realize every, and especially basketball in particular is kind of like a pop culture sports. Mm -hmm. So uh, so everyone thinks they can, you know, I watch it on TV. <laughs> I watch it on TV. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or, uh, you know, one time I was telling this mother, like, hey, your son, you know, he has, it might benefit him to gray shirt to be able to compete with the physicality of the game at this level. Um, because one of the things I knew is like, if he was walking by passing, you would never, he would never pass the eye test. You wouldn't right. look at him. He had done a push-up in his life. Right. And she was like, well, he plays at the park with grown men and scores like 15 or 20 points. So, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason he needs to take a year to really work out. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm done talking. Mm -hmm. Hey, last story, this mother was saying, she was telling us how my son plays for the truth. 
what people don't realize is what AAU organization your kid play with is not really relevant at this point because it's not all about skill. You could pay for your kid to be on the team. And, and organizations have different levels of teams. So first of all, that he plays for that organization means nothing to me. But the last thing about what she said was this. She said, hey, you can't tell me nothing. Right. And then but she didn't understand, like, I listen when people talk. That's what I do very effectively. I listen. Right. Mm -hmm. So guess what? You just told me I can't tell you nothing. So who would be the fool if I stand here and continue to try to tell you something? (laughs) Exactly. So on that note, Mm -hmm. hey, I I respectfully bow off the conversation and the dialogue. And and, you know, even though sometimes it irks me because I really want to help young people and see them all have an opportunity to succeed. I have to respect that that's still your child. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, as a parent, it's your right and responsibility to do what you think is in your child's best interest, you know? So life is real, though. The message that I would like to pass around to all the young coaches, even the older coaches, because sometimes they don't get it. Um, And when when I say they don't get it, I'm talking about even the successful coaches. The coaches that if you go in their office, they got state championships all on the wall. A lot of times they still don't get it. Uh, A lot of times coaches believe that, the universe is about them, right? especially in the game. I always tell my players and coaches that football is bigger than us. It was here before we came. Yeah. It'll be here after we leave. The yeah. sport is bigger, meaning if, you rem- if I'm coaching a football team right now, they could be undefeated, 10-0. and 0. Mm-hmm. You remove me today, somebody could step in and make them 11-0. So right. that means that even though it was important that I was a part of the formula, right. it's not mandatory. Right. Same thing with the star players. You can remove a star player, somebody else can step in, and that team is going to keep playing. So I, as coaches, this is what I tell coaches. There's two type of coaches out there. There's these coaches out there that have this uh, fallacy or this fantasy that uh, it's all about them. It's because of how they coach that the team is performing. Right. It's because of what they tell them. It's because of their plays, right. their playbook. Right. And, right. and I'm more like a coach. Get over yourself. It's right. not about right. you. Remove I don't care. Ego. Yeah, I don't care how good your X's and O's may look. Right. If the players don't understand what you're coaching, right. or if they can't perform it, it's not going to be successful. And then on a uh, on an even harder note for them to understand, your players, you could go undefeated and you can win a state championship, and still you could have failed as a coach. And I I was on a staff like that where the the guy was the head coach. They went we went nine and one, won the conference and everything else. Not one of those players got a scholarship offer yeah how is that a successful season right that to me that's not successful in, in my heart i would rather go zero and ten and and nobody wants to right. go zero and ten right but i would rather go zero and ten and send five or six cats to division one division right. two right. naia whatever right. send them off to college than to go undefeated so i can say hey i want to i right. coached a championship right and i didn't send any of these players right. on to the next level or to do anything they do want to do in life and and that was my goal. I wasn't worried about 10 and 0 undefeated championship. Yeah. I was worried about at the end of this season for yeah. all you young men who worked hard for me and gave me everything you had. How can I give that back to you in return? And how I did that every Thanksgiving weekend. Uh-huh. I shut down. I wasn't hanging around my family. Right. I wasn't around the table. I was in a room working on highlight film. Gotcha. Getting all my players' highlights done right. so that I could go to the coaches' clinic. And I was one of only two coaches at a major coaching clinic walking around, passing out this. This was before Huddle. Right, this right. was before. Or you could just email them a link. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. This yeah. is when you had to get a disc in there. So hand. watch this. Imagine the coaches who won't put that level of effort in behalf of their students. When, when nowadays, 
the students, most of them are so tech savvy, mm-hmm. they could go home and make their own film and exactly. their own highlights. And all you would have to do is email a link mm-hmm. with a form letter to a coach. Because I'm from the generation too, where you would go have to, hey, have uh, you better hope your team, your coach, mm-hmm. or organization has that huge machine with like five different slots for VHSs. Exactly. And you were gonna have to try to record each little scene. And then you were going to have to pay for postage and envelopes to mail them to coaches and hope it just didn't go into a pile. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in other sports, I see that happen repeatedly where you have these state playoff and championship teams, but no one's getting recruited in part because coaches won't do that part of the role in terms of helping student athletes move forward. But also at times, because even though it produced victories, they didn't coach the level of technique skill and IQ for the game required to compete at the next level. So you'll have a student athlete who was used in a position that will help this team, but there's no way that student athlete at the next level of the sport could compete at that position. Mm -hmm. So therefore, no, you're not moving forward. Some of these coaches, they out here bragging about how many kids that they sent D1. Mm -hmm. You and I both know most cases, Mm -hmm. not all, but most cases when a student goes D1, it was them. Yeah, it was yeah, their yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. their performance on yeah, the field. Right. You didn't have to do nothing. I've, I've had right. kids that I coached. I didn't have to coach them. Right. I right. just told them to get out on the field, and they did their thing. Right. And right. then they go, D1, that wasn't me. Right. Now, show me a coach that has a long list of players that he sent NAIA, right. a long list of players he sent Division three and two. Right. I know that that man right. worked. He had to, to make that. phone calls. Right. He had to take visits. He had to work to make right. that happen. And those are the kind yeah. of coaches that I respect and appreciate. Yeah. I mean, you know, I respect all coaches because they're doing a trade that I was in. But I have a higher level of respect right. for those right. coaches. The coaches that are coaching these teams every year, and every year they're going 15-0, and 0, and every year they win in state championships, and every year they send in 10 guys D1. Come on, man. They got 20 D1 kids knocking on their door every day. And you have a pipeline now. Exactly. So it's not to take away from the fact that you've still built a pipeline. Yeah, you still got to build it. That's correct. But it's not necessarily. I'm not going to say it can't be, but it's not necessarily your football genius. Exactly. Right? Also, even if you send them Division I, send me the ones you developed. Mm -hmm. You know, show me that versus the ones who... Man, he was 6'8", 280. He could have got a scholarship out the grocery store. Mm-hmm. He could have walked past. And people don't understand that happens. Exactly. Like there's certain things in sports that you can't coach. You can't coach size. Mm-hmm. So certain people are going to get opportunities just purely based on their size. But they really, their skill level wasn't there because you didn't coach them up mm-hmm. necessarily. I was also going to say I've seen lists that coaches market, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, at the moment I was inside those programs where I've seen lists sent about these are the students we got to division one institutions and they didn't they weren't honest about the fact that like well six of these students you put on this list didn't move forward as student athletes exactly they applied to the school they were accepted and they're matriculating in no different than the general student population mm-hmm. but your list is deceiving and misrepresenting because people believe from that that they moved forward as scholarship athletes mm-hmm, exactly. and so you're using that to sell other athletes as look at the people we get out but this has nothing to do with you the student is done with sports exactly. they just apply so I, you know i see the underbelly of it and no different in aau and club sports where you have coaches who are you know like well uh, this is what we did but you're not really given accurate information right. or hey if you want your kid to win right we win yeah but you're not 
acknowledging that, yeah, but no student athletes leave from your organization and move forward. So, you know, I appreciate you acknowledging that there is a, there's a, there is a hustle going on. And there's some outstanding coaches out there that every year they got a pipeline going. Right. And, and, and they have a certain level of respect. They, they realize that they were blessed to be able to get into the system to create the pipeline that they worked hard for. Right. And then from that day moving forward, they respect it and understand it. They don't accept every stud that comes through their door. If that stud's not willing to come to the door and do what I asked you to do, yeah. perform in a classroom like I asked you to right, perform, right. then I don't want you. Understand the culture, the decorum, exactly. the behavior. And I respect right? those. Yeah. But then there's those that no matter what, Based on your talent, if you can do this, I want you in my door. Right. I, right. I, I don't care for that. Yeah. You know, Especially if you low character. Exactly. Your, your behavior is, is not going to be conducive to this environment. You really, there's a lot of student athletes who may not be in love with academics and classroom, mm-hmm. but you still have to understand that this is necessary to arrive exactly. at these outcomes. So don't come here with the... You know, and I don't really do work. Well, you don't really do school. Get your ass out of here yeah. and figure it out for yourself, you know? Two of my proudest moments as a coach. One, uh, I had three young men that left campus for lunch. Uh-huh. And they, we were not permitted to leave campus for lunch. Okay. And they had their jerseys on when they left. Gotcha. Oh, wow. So when they walked back on campus, I made them take their jerseys off and I suspended them. And, we, and it was game day. Mm. And we went into it. It was a big rivalry game. Oh, that it was a so. local private school. They was hurt. And we lost. Okay. And got kind of beat up because one of them was our starting quarterback. Okay. And starting running back and the starting linebacker. Right. And uh, it hurt us. But moving forward, all three of those young men, until this day, keep in contact with me. Until this day, they still tell me how much they appreciate. Right that I stood for what was right and, right and taught him a lesson there. And held him accountable. Exactly. Yeah. And I had another gentleman, uh, this was at a, a school where a, a top honor school, he was a honor student, 4.5 GPA. Right. Um, we t- took over the program and he f- deemed it necessary to try to tell us how to coach. And he disrespected right. one of the coaches. And he was the star of the team. I, I benched him. And his parents was in an uproar. They right. came up to the school, was calling for my job and everything else. And he moved on. He graduated. He went on to be uh, do mission, do missionary work. And he wrote me from one of his missions a long letter, yeah. telling me how much he appreciated that I taught him how to right. be a man, that I held him accountable, right. and that he wanted me to apologize to that coach. If I could send him the address, he would do it. But if not, he had another letter in there to the coach that he disrespected that wow, I suspended. Wow. And, and those two moments were right. two of my proudest moments, bigger than wins right. and losses. And, and, and one thing I'll say, coaches, it's hard out there as coaches. Yeah. There's always somebody out there to get you as a coach. Right. And, and, and that's one of the things Somebody's I'll tell. Somebody's not happy. That's one of the things I'll tell the listeners. I've been through some stuff. I mean, some serious yeah. stuff where Somebody wanted my job, one, because I benched their son, one, because I didn't play their son or their daughter. I've had assistant coaches who felt that they could do the job better than me and they wanted the job. Right. And they'll go out and they'll spread rumors about you. Right, right. They'll start, I mean, stuff that could cost you not only your job, 
but your career, right. your reputation. And, yeah, yeah. So it's always something out there to get you. Yeah. I don't care how high on the pedestal you get. Yeah. You got to be careful of the people that's working under you yes. and the, of the family members. And I've learned in this business, it always seems like the kid that I try hardest to give a break. A kid that shouldn't even made the football team. There's no way he should have been on football. Right. But because of my compassion, I put him on the football team. It will be that parent. Right. That would be the one calling for your job because their son right. didn't get playing time. They right. weren't even supposed to be on the team. Right. And right. they fight for their right. playing time. So I, I've learned some yeah. valuable lessons throughout, yeah. throughout the career that these coaches need to understand that. I'm, and then the irony is, let's say you do go ahead and play their kid and their kid get banged up and hurt. Mm -hmm. They'll still be calling for your head because it's like, well, you knew he wasn't prepared to be. Exactly. So it's like a damn if I do, damn if I exactly. don't. And I've observed that. And that's, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing those things because mm -hmm. I think it's important for parents to hear that, um, to be aware, because it is... Um, not truly thankless because you do get the blessings of what you say when people come back and exactly. let you know a because again it's not just coaching for the game or for the season it's coaching for life mm -hmm. uh, there was a, um, a coach I don't remember who it was but someone had asked him that question like well uh, how did what do you think about the team this year or you know or what do you think about the success of the team or and he you know, made the comment like, I really won't know for another 20 years till we see what type of fathers they are, what type of men exactly. they are, what type of sons they are, what type of husbands they are, what type of leaders in the community. And some people really miss that. Outstanding coach. I've seen people truly, so at my age now, I have a lot of peers who participate in sports in their youth. I have a lot of friends who were damaged from athletics because they were great athletes. They were never held accountable. And now, as men, they're living in a world where your past value as an athlete is irrelevant. irrelevant. So now mm -hmm. you're held accountable, but you're having difficulty moving through the world in a manner that leads to successful outcomes because you were never held accountable in your youth. And now you're trying to learn behaviors you didn't previously learn because people you were allowed to get away with being in practice late, mm -hmm. um, being, what word am I, subordinate to your coach, exactly. being disrespectful to the coach. Um, you didn't learn teammanship because all you were concerned with were your own outcomes. Mm -hmm. So you didn't learn how to work effectively with other people. You didn't produce um, the appropriate standard of work in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But people always made a way for you. And then all of a sudden, when you're no longer attached to game outcomes, no one's bending over backwards for you like that. And now you're incapable of succeeding in life. We had a young lady like that here. Yeah, yeah. That was handed the, the key to the city. Right. Always throughout her whole career, she was given the key to the city. Right. And then she got on this level and an outstanding coach who has coached for several years um, made her held her accountable yeah. and she didn't know how to deal with it. Right. And, and it ended her career because she couldn't deal with being coached properly. Right. She couldn't deal with being held accountable. Right. It ended her career. Right. And she was destined to be something great right. in athletics. And instead, you know, it's over for her because everybody failed her at the lower levels. People failed her. The coaches don't realize sometimes you fail that student when you let him play and his grades wasn't correct. Right. You fail that student when you let him play and he disrespected his parents at home. Right. Right. You fail that student when you didn't let him play and he disrespected that teacher. 
right. or he wasn't doing his schoolwork. Right. You are failing them. You're not doing them a favor. Even if they went in the game and helped you win a championship, right. that was for you. Right. That championship was for you. And that was for your ego. Exactly. Yeah. But you yeah. failed that athlete right. who now is going to move on and he's going to end up running into somebody that's going to hold him accountable right. and he's going to fail and his failure is on your right. back. You mentioned earlier that you did a brief stint in the military. Yeah. A lot of times, especially in the, uh, our society, our culture, um, and referring to um, the American sports culture, we use um, war as metaphors for um, our participation in athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, we use military as a metaphor for athletics. Like, what are the similarities? What are the- uh, definitely becoming disciplined. When you join the military, there's a a higher level of discipline. I mean, even to the point when you're in boot camp, there's a certain way that you have to fold your sheets. And if your sheets don't contact at the corners the way that they're supposed to, the punishment is unreal. The the running that you're required to do or the push-ups that you're required to do. And and they put you in boot camp for about a a six-week time frame to break you down so that they can build you back up. And when you're going through it, you don't understand it. I mean, look, we had these little booklets that had these little chits in there that you carried around with you. And you had three chits, and those chits gave you permission to walk solo to different places, whether that was the restroom, whether that was to administration to see about your pay. You had to have that booklet with those chits in there. And to understand that you walk in with that booklet and one of your friends grab your book out and tear your chits out. And now you don't have them in your book. You can't go nowhere. And, and how do you deal with that? You know, do, do you deal with it the old school way? We, we about to throw hands. Yeah. Now, you better not do that in the military. It's going to be a problem. Uh, do you deal with it by, you know, going and arguing and telling? No, it's an it's a inner way you got to learn to deal with. You got to like, okay, now for a little bit, I'm restricted. I can't go nowhere. He, he messed me up, but I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to overcome it, and we're going to move forward. Yeah. And while I was in the military, the, the beginning of it, I went without, I, I didn't eat for the first couple of days because I was in culture shock. I had these men in my face yelling and screaming at me that were three and four inches shorter than me. And I had them telling me what to do. They told me when to use the bathroom, told me when to shave, when I could eat. And I had to do it when they told me to do it. And even though I was a athlete, that was still humbling, you know, because you didn't even experience that in athletics. You know, your football coach might tell you when y'all having a team meal, but he ain't telling you when you having your dinner. He ain't telling you when to have your breakfast. He's not telling you when you can leave your house, if you can leave your house. So it's a, it's a, I say it's a higher level of discipline that you have to go through. So even all athletes can't make it in the military. Most military people, once they've been in the military, they can go make it as athletes. It don't mean they're going to be successful or a starter or a star, but they could deal with the mind game of right. dealing with a head coach or coaching staff right, and, right. And, and all the things that come with that yeah. because it's stepping down a level. Right. Um, so I, I always suggest, even to my young men, I was like, look, if school's not for you, if you don't see that you're going to make it on a scholarship to continue your athletics, then try the military. Do something. I always tried to make sure that my young men had a plan when they left. I felt a failure anytime I got seniors graduating. And then if you were able to come and talk to my seniors a week after they graduated and you asked them, well, what you doing? I don't know. That's my failure. Not that young man's. Now, now I've always, one thing, this is one thing I want to tell the coaches before we get out of here. Coaches have a habit. We've always been taught that after the game, stand before all the young men and tell them if you lost, it was my fault. You take accountability for the loss. Right. Let, the, let the team have accountability for the win. 
you take accountability for the loss. Right. I, I think that's misrepresenting things because that's not reality. In the real world, if you fail at your job, your boss ain't going to come take responsibility <laughs> for it. You know, uh, if they gave you the proper training yeah. and they told you how to do this job. They're going to ask for your keys. Yeah, they're going to ask for you your keys door. and you're going to walk out the door. Yeah. So that's how I was as a coach. I would talk to my team sometime. And after a game, if we watch film all week and all week long, I told you he was going to block down. He was going to kick out. He's yeah. hitting his hole. Yeah. And I told you how to handle it. And you chose yeah. to do it a different way. Yeah. At the end of the game, I'm not saying that's my bad. I didn't teach you right. Yeah. or No, I'm not taking that responsibility. And they, and they respected me for that. Now, if it was my fault and I missed some things that I didn't show yeah. them yeah. or I should have told them yeah. a different technique to handle it, I will take the blame. Yeah. But there has to be times that you have to have, hold these young men accountable yeah. that if you told them everything that they were supposed to do, right. you showed them everything that was coming and right. they still chose to do different, yeah. no, that's not your fault. It might be your fault you let them play. If hey, you, hey yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. It might be your fault be you, your had fault them you let game. them play. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you know yeah. that that's the type of kid that's yeah. not going to do what you asked yeah. them to do, then yeah, yeah, it was your fault. Hey, and it might have been your fault that you didn't hold them accountable enough during practice, practice exactly. during the week about going to class class and so they were led to believe based on your inability to be consistent that's exactly. one thing a lot of young people thrive off of, is consistency mm -hmm. one way or another they need to know what the rules are so they can but if you're inconsistent with when you hold them accountable mm -hmm. then yeah it becomes frustrating because well dang you let me get away with it this day but mm -hmm. not this day so i appreciate you sharing that as we do wrap up if there was one thing you wanted to share with whether it was parents or student athletes that you think Hey, this is it's imperative that you know this mm -hmm. if you want to succeed um, or coaches, whatever you might want to share. What would it be? I would say for the athlete, especially the athletes that's in high school, mm -hmm. it's imperative that you realize that no coach out there can get you a scholarship. I don't care who it is, how much clout they have. At the end of the day, that college is going to review your film and make that decision whether they're going to take you. So don't let a coach sell you dreams about scholarships that he can get you uh, and take parents and athlete take some responsibility and work on things on your own uh, apply to some schools get some film out on yourself do that job as if nobody else is helping you do it yeah. and, and then you if you take a little bit of that responsibility that gives you a better chance on, on moving forward and I would say to the coaches I always want to get this out to coaches please keep in mind that this this game is much bigger than you it's not about your win-loss record. It's about that kid. Sometimes you have to make decisions that will save a kid's life. I, I, I've kept kids on my team, not because they deserve to be on there anymore. They were a bad apple. Yes, they were affecting the rest of the team. And they said, well, if they affect the rest of the team, you got to get rid of them. I don't necessarily believe that. How bad are they affecting the team? Is there any way you can adjust it where it's not really affecting it? Because there's some kids that if they're, they don't have somewhere to go every day after school, mm -hmm. they don't have nobody holding them accountable, they're going to end up in jail or dead. Right. And I've had two of them that were killed, uh, that players that I coached. One of them, I was the assistant coach. I wasn't the head coach. Right. I begged that head coach to keep him. He kicked the kid out, sent him to an art class. He failed the art class. And because he failed the art class, he wasn't eligible to play football anymore. His life spiraled down ever after that. He ended up being killed in the streets. Oh, wow. And until this day, I wear that on my shoulders, mm -hmm. thinking about what I could have did different as a coach. Could I talk that head coach somehow into letting that kid keep playing this game? And he was a Division One football player. Wow. And he was, he was a, a 1.8 student. Right. And, and I know you say, well, 1.8, that's bad. No, a 1.8 ain't far from a 2.5. 
if you can get that kid to believe in himself right. and believe in what you're trying to do. So he was .7 away from being able to go Division right. One football and having a good life versus being now he's dead and gone. Right. And so I would tell coaches, don't make it about you. Right. Sometimes you have to make decisions to save kids. Sometimes that decision is, yes, you got to get rid of them because right. they bring in, they they going to make all the other kids go down. Right. But sometimes you keep a kid that you shouldn't have kept because it's saving his life. And that's more important than any game of football. Wow, that's deep, my mm-hmm. brother. Hey, thank you for sharing. Uh, I know it's late, mm-hmm. right, in the day. I know uh, I appreciate you speaking with us after having such a long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a wrap. You've just witnessed two kings talking. Thank you for tuning in to King Talk. Mm-hmm.